and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the first episode of the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. On this podcast, I aim to cover a range of topics in the field of literacy education for teachers and parents. The idea for this podcast stems from experiences in my professional life, and my life as a mom to two elementary-aged daughters. I plan to share resources, ideas, tools, and strategies so that you can confidently nurture and support your elementary-aged readers and writers, whether you are teaching in the classroom or supporting your child at home. So for this episode, I want to explain the podcast and introduce a couple of the segments. The first segment is called Today's Topic on the Literacy List, And it will address a topic that's on my mind or a topic that is brought up by my students or parents I interact with. For my first episode, I'm going to begin with what you may initially think is a simple question. What is literacy? Since this is a podcast about literacy. So let's jump in. Today's topic on the literacy list is literacy. What is literacy and what does literacy mean? These are two questions that I'm either asked or that I ask my students at the beginning of each semester. And after I ask this question, the most common answer I hear when I ask what is literacy is reading and writing. And yes, it is true that literacy is reading and writing, but today I want to expand a little bit on that definition. Literacy is often viewed as a set of skills that are typically taught in schools and learned by students in order to read and write. It's believed that if these skills are taught and if the students learn them, they will be successful readers and writers. Some of the skills might include identifying the main idea and supporting details when reading a short passage, writing a short essay with details in each paragraph, or completing generic vocabulary and spelling worksheets. Do any of these sound familiar to you? They're often found in schools. So each of these skills is thought to have a positive effect on a student's abilities. This idea about literacy tends to dominate the field and how literacy is viewed. But I want to go beyond this idea and expand on it to include the meaning that is made and the environment or the context where the reading and writing happens. So I'm often asked, But what are the reading and writing skills that kids absolutely need in order to be successful readers and writers? As though there's a secret list that I have that if kids master them, they'll be successful. I really wish it were that straightforward. It's often presented as straightforward. Like if the students learn these skills, they'll be successful. But it's actually a little more complicated than that. So let me share an example. So when I was working on my dissertation, I was conducting my research in a second grade classroom in a bilingual French-English school. And one of the students was very interesting to observe. And he was a strong reader and a writer 
in French. He was reading French books beyond his grade level, and the teacher was very pleased with his writing abilities in French. He could include very complex vocabulary. He knew the spelling structures. He included great ideas into his writing. So he was considered a strong writer. He was also an avid reader in English. So as a second grader, he was already reading and understanding book series like The Hunger Games. He was, however, identified as a struggling writer in English, which did not make any sense. In his French writing, he was able to add details into his paragraphs, but he struggled to do this very same work in English. In English, he experienced much more difficulty with this work. So the skills didn't transfer from one environment into the other. He was a successful writer in one context in the French classroom, but not in the other, the English classroom even when the skills being taught were the same. And the teachers really tried to make sure that the skills were the same in both languages so the students can apply them. So another example is that reading is so much more than reading the text on the page. I'm gonna use my daughter as an example. So I have two daughters. My older daughter is now seven and in second grade. But when she was just learning to read, she was reading from decodable books, books that have a picture and a few words that match up with the picture. The example that I have is if the book was about fruit, there would be a picture of an apple, and then the text would say, this is an apple. A picture of an orange, this is an orange. She was reading a book about different fruits, and she would repeat the names of the fruits on each page for emphasis and add in sound effects. She would read the sentence, this is an apple. Then she would pause after the period. She would look over at me and say, apple, 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 yum, including those in. Then she would add a few sentences about whether she liked the fruit or if she didn't like the fruit, or if she knew someone who really liked the fruit. An example would be, I really like apples. So she was making meaning and trying to connect with the book. She was also using other components of language arts to read, specifically oral language. The two examples I share align with the idea that literacy is a way of making meaning in a specific environment. So what does this even mean? So in the first example with the second grader, the student was able to make meaning and apply the skills in his French writing, but for whatever reason, he was not able to do the same thing in his English writing. For my daughter, she was trying to connect to the book and inserted her experiences into a conversation with me after each page. Literacy can vary from one situation to another which means that the literacy skills that we need to use and apply will also vary depending on the situation. So here's a more recent example. Let's take the pandemic. During COVID, a new literacy skill was introduced that before the pandemic was not prioritized in the classroom. And that one is understanding and utilizing the different functions of a virtual classroom. And this includes Google Classroom and Zoom. Navigating how to be a student in a virtual classroom, which I will argue is different from being a student in an in-person classroom, became necessary in order to be successful and participate in class sessions. So students had to use the chat features, they had to learn to raise their hands, and then unmute and mute themselves. These were differences than if they were to attend class in person. They also had to learn the new rules for submitting assignments, which for many families was an area of stress. So these are all literacy skills. Students had to read the different functions in the virtual classroom in order to have success in that space. 
Let's take a look at another example from my earlier list of skills, writing a short essay with details in each paragraph. A student may learn how to do this well in one genre, but have more difficulty when doing this work in another genre. Writing an essay with supporting details may be easier to apply when writing a personal narrative for a unit in class, but it may be more challenging when writing a persuasive essay about a new and unfamiliar topic during an exam. There's not a set number of skills that students need in order to be successful readers and writers. The literacy skills vary depending on the work that the students are engaged in. For instance, when reading a realistic fiction book, students will need to pay attention to the characters and the setting, but when they're reading a nonfiction text, they may have to pay more attention to the text boxes and the images. So yes, literacy is absolutely reading and writing, but it also includes meaning that we are taking from a text or making. And it also includes the environment. So I hope this gives you a little bit of a wider view of literacy. So now the question you might be asking is, why does this even matter when working with students? Well, we want to know when we see students experiencing success as readers and writers, and when we see them experiencing frustration or difficulty. Take that earlier example of the second grader. He was clearly experiencing success in one language, but really struggling more in another language. And we want to pay attention to the context and the work when there is success or difficulty so that we can support all of our students. So for parents who want to support their students at home, if your child is frustrated when reading on their own, but they're more engaged when you read to them or when you choral read together and both read the text at the same time, do that. Again, this can be a starting point. You can slowly lead up to the child reading more independently. But as a starting point to keep them engaged, have them do that because that's the most important piece. You want to keep them engaged because when they're not engaged, that's when more troubles can arise. I hope that was helpful. Now I'm going to transition and move into the next segment, which is a spotlight on children's books that focus on reading and writing. So I really like to use children's books to cover many different topics with students. And I have a few books that focus on reading or writing in some capacity. So the first one that I want to share is David Wiesner's book, The Three Pigs. This is one of my very favorite books. It's based on the traditional story of the three little pigs. But in this book, the pigs step out of their own story They end up folding one of the pages from their story and making it into a paper airplane so that they can fly into other storybooks. This includes they go into the cat and the fiddle. And how this connects to literacy is that the pigs are reading their world. And they're also reading the world of the new stories where they visit. And based on their reading of each of these worlds, they decide to keep going. This is a great example. We read our worlds all the time. And this book is a great example of that. And it can help show kids how we're doing this all the time. They're reading their worlds in their classroom. They're reading the world at home. And this sheds light a little bit on that. The next book I have is Tomas and the Library Lady by Pat Mora. And it's based on the story of Tomas Rivera. He was the son of migrant farm workers during the 1940s. And his family had moved to Iowa from Texas. His grandfather told oral stories, and Tomas loved his the grandfather's oral stories. And one day, the grandfather encourages Tomas 
to go to the library and learn some new stories to share with the family. So Tomas goes to the library. When he gets to the library, he's a little bit intimidated by the size of the building, and he's not really sure what to do. But he's welcomed by the very kind librarian who helps him find books that interest him. And this book is a great example of a child's relationship with books and how when there's interest in the story, there's high engagement with reading. So I use this book with my classes and I have them think about their lives and their relationship to reading at particular times in their lives. And sometimes we have times when we're much more interested in reading and times when we're not so interested in reading and looking at why. And often what I see over and over is that during elementary school, there is high interest because there's more choice. And then once they get to middle school and particularly high school, there is less interest because they have less choice in the books that they are reading. Those are two books about reading. Moving into writing, I'm a really big fan of Adam Lairhout's books. Uh, I was really fortunate enough to meet him a few years ago at a children's book festival, and he spoke about his work and how he finds ideas for his writing. So he has a book called The Idea Jar and another book called This is a Good Story. So I'll start with The Idea Jar. This book shows how ideas for writing can come from absolutely anywhere. And it encourages children to see all of their ideas as possibilities for stories. It's a fun book. The illustrations are clear. They're engaging. And I really find that this book nicely shows the ideation stage of the writing process for kids. So there's another one. His other book, This is a Good Story, builds on the idea jar. And now it explains the elements of story. So you go from the ideas, now what are we putting into the story? And it talks about the characters, the setting, the conflict, the plot. And one of my favorite parts of the book is when a mistake is made. Kids don't, we don't always like to make mistakes. And he teaches that you as the writer just need to keep trying and try again. So we can always keep going. So both of his books show the enjoyable side of writing and how writing stories is sharing your ideas with the world. And if you make a mistake, you just try again. And last but not least, it's two books in one. It's You Are a Reader and You Are a Writer by April Jones Prince. And this book shows all the different ways and the things we read and write. I really love how the author includes environmental print or things that we read in everyday life, like a cereal box or like the signs uh, for different logos. The Target sign is a great example. Um, And it's really, this book is a really nice reminder of all of the reading and writing that we do in our everyday lives, both in and out of school, and it all counts. So those are a few books that can help with reading or writing with kids. And hopefully you enjoy them. The last segment for today is ending on a positive note. And this is where I'm going to share something that went well or is going well with my teaching, reading, or writing, something that's going well in my literacy life. And this week, it is comprehension wands and cubes. Because we're focusing on reading and writing and all things literacy, I've been asked by some students about how to get the kids to talk about the books that they are reading so it does, that they don't just read the books and put them away. And I shared some comprehension, the comprehension wands that I have, which are 
fun ones in the shape of stars with different questions on them about the books, and then cubes that I have that I made out of cupcake boxes. And around the sides are different questions or things to point out, like what's the moral of the story? What was your favorite part of the story? And it's a starting point. You can use them as a starting point with kids after they finish reading, and it tends to lead into a conversation. So I used these with elementary-aged kids last week, and it it was a springboard to get them to talk about a part of the book and share their favorite parts of the book and go a little bit further into it, not just to put the book away and close it up. So that is the first episode of the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing you next week. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.